Hi, this is the Glencairn Podglass, celebrating 20 years of the Glencairn Glass, the world's favourite whisky glass. Hi, my name is Gordon Brown, and today on the Glencairn 2020 Podglass, I'm talking to the man who in 1997 set up Paragraph Publishing as an international media business specialising in drinks, travel and food. He launched Whiskey Magazine in 98, Scotland Magazine in 2002, and started Whiskey Live in Tokyo in 2000, before the World Spirits Conference came to life in 2006. He is a master of the Keepers of the Quake, rectifier of the Gin Guild, a Kentucky colonel, was inducted to the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame in 2005, became an inaugural member of the Orator of the Writ, and is a steward of the Worshipful, Worshipful Company of Distillers, Hello, Mr. Damien Riley Smith. Good morning, good afternoon. God, it doesn't sound like I've got any time to work with all of that. Uh, I was going to say, when do you find time to do anything else? Well, we're in the entertainment business, which is what I'm going to blather on about a bit. You know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the uh, media is entertainment, but media about drinks is entertainment uh, at the nth degree. And that's what I always tell our team. We're trying to entertain people not just inform them and uh, with a bit of education, but it is entertainment. So can you just, just for the listeners, can you give a little bit, I've given you some background, but actually can yeah. you just give a little bit of background to yourself in terms of how you got to where you currently are? Well, I, I think booze basically has been in my family's blood for a long time because our family background is, we used to have a brewery called John Smith's in Tadcaster and uh, that was in the our family for 150 years. Uh, at the tail end of the family's involvement, uh, my great uncle started a distillery and uh, called the Isle of Jura. So whiskey suddenly came into our blood. Why did it come into our blood? Because his father, during the First World War, uh, sorry, during between the wars, wanted to get away from the fear of the Nazis and he bought uh, the Isle of Jura, the island, the southern half of the island. <laughs> so the family had half an island. The next generation then rebuilt Isle of Jura Distillery. And for 40 years of my life, I was on going there two, three times a year. And so by the time it came to me working, uh, when I went into media, uh, I was also spending the other half of my life in Jura and in Whiskey World. And when it came to working out what you, what you want to do media in, I narrowed it down from what used to be Van Magazine, What Van? Uh, camera magazine and wine and spirit international uh, i refined that down just to booze so that's why it's a it's a long life immersed in alcohol <laughs> so when you start when you started off in the whiskey world was it a big step was it a big change from what you were currently doing to move into that world in media quite simply no, because I, I, I was in venture capital in the city just for three or four years. But when I did media, I published Wine and Spirit magazine. I ran the International Wine Challenge, the world's largest uh, wine competition. I ran Wine Magazine. So for five, seven years, I was in the booze media world. Then when I decided to set up my own company, uh, my first idea was Whiskey Magazine. And the number of people who said to me, what on earth are you going to write about whiskey? There is, you know, they never change. There's no new product. It's just a bit of history. And I said, don't worry, it'll be fine. And we started it as a quarterly. And um, 
of course, we all know we could write about whiskey every day, every hour of every day, and we still wouldn't cover it. So I was immersed in it again. It seems to have been a trend of my life, alcohol. From what I gather, I mean, I've been talking to a number of the distillers on the podcast. The late 90s seems to have been a kind of crucial period for whiskey when malt came to the fore and people started to talk about it. And you've been instrumental. Things like Whiskey Live, people meeting up and talking about whiskey. Was there a sense back then of that? Yeah, I think actually three things happened at the same time. One is that malt whiskey started becoming more adventurous, more varied, more, there was more activity. Blends were shifting towards malts, firstly. Uh, Secondly, wine was, had been at its zenith for sort of 20 years, and everyone was talking about wine nosing and tasting and all these words like floral and, you know, tannins. And that, that was becoming a bit, you know, the the world was getting a bit i done wine so it was kind of waiting for something else what is the next thing and that that was whiskey uh, and then i think at the same time there were a number of us who who were all timely if you like whether it was uh whether it was media whether it was retail whether it was production and whether it was glassware and we were all doing it at the same time no surprise Glen Cairn is having its 20th anniversary and we've just had our 21st anniversary for Whiskey Magazine. It's, um, and, and 2000 is the year we launched Whiskey Live. When did the Glen Cairn la- glass la- launch? Yep. It's all, it's all straight, you know, that happens. The stars align, but it wasn't obviously all our doing. It was all part of a movement, I think, uh, from wine into whiskey or into a spirit. Whiskey Live, that, that's been quite influential. When I've talked to others, that idea of getting so many distillers together, getting the people into a room together, where did that idea come from? And, and why start in Tokyo? The, uh, the idea and the ability to make it happen, very simply, was because I had done lots and lots and lots of shows like that. Of what The one I'm most proud of uh, was called What Van Live, which I launched at uh, Millbrook, which brought builders from over the uk to come and drive test drive vans uh with the manufacturers so it's a very simple concept what do you do you bring the people who make the product and you people who want to own the product and you bring them together so when it came to to doing that for whiskey it was a kind of obvious thing to do it's the most obvious one great food great entertainment great whiskey in one place why tokyo because at that particular time exports particularly was really buzzy in japan in asia my new business partner was David Kroll in Japan. And I planned, and I did, I actually launched Whiskey Live in Tokyo in February and in London in September. So in that year, there was a sort of plan to do it in Asia and in the UK. And we managed to pull it off. But it was because I had a partner there. If I didn't have a partner, it wouldn't have happened. It's growing to be something quite phenomenal around the world. Why do you think it's been so successful? The, the thing that changed it for us was not only is it a, a relatively simple formula, but because the brand is strong and Whiskey Magazine is behind it, so we hopefully we're well known by the industry. When someone says, do you want to exhibit at Whiskey Live? They go, well, at least I know the brand. Yeah. But we took the decision to license it. So first of all, I used to I started and ran Whiskey Live on my own in America, in Asia, in part in 50-50, in... Um, uh, in Ireland. So I started and ran them on my own. That was becoming unmanageable and you can't grow it. And, you know, you don't have the connections and the contacts. So we took the decision some 10 years ago, 
the way to manage it well is to license it. So we, the reason it has grown is because we've allowed people to run it themselves and we just take a very modest involvement. Uh, so that's why it's grown and it's a pretty obvious concept. And from there, you then had the World Spirits Conference in 2006. Again, where did that come from as a thought? Again, it's the same model. Whiskey Live is about bringing the consumer and the industry together. The World Spirits Conference is about bringing the trade and the trade industry together. So there are marketing directors, production directors worldwide that want to learn more. We all do. And there was at that point no trade forum in which to do it. Again, as you said, there's lots of other things nowadays, but that's why. Whiskey's been just phenomenally successful around the world. You know, compared to other spirits out there, it's, it seems far richer, far more talked about. Why do you think it is compared to other drinks that's been so successful? Um, I mean, I think Scotland is a big part of it. It's very iconic, uh, easy to uh, visualise idea. So Scotland has been at the forefront of that message. Clearly, it's got profound history and heritage that a lot of other categories and brands don't have. It's got extraordinary people with great flair. There's an enormous variety, and yet at the same time, it's very rare you'll taste a whiskey you don't like. It's got flavour, obviously, and it's now, but it always has been, uh, deeply collectible. I mean, that is so many reasons for me. Going forward, do you think, where, where do you think it's going as it moves forward? Where do you think the whiskey world's going just now? I, I, I mean, I'm very, I'm still, and I think I probably always will be very excited by it. I mean, I think some of the things that have got to happen are, there's still a big issue in some parts of the world about categorization. So it, what, how do you define your whiskey? And particularly at the moment, I'm exploring that answer in Japan, what is Japanese whiskey? But I think categorization is important. Um, clearly, uh, global things like recessions in eight, nine, and then COVID now uh, uh, have impact. But out of that, we show the speed of growth of interest in Asia is still gonna grow and grow and grow. Auctions, fascinating. No one would ever have thought they were gonna be so important. American whiskey has, completely resurge so that's going to continue uh, and it's also and this is i think the thing that probably none of us thought would ever happen is it's being made everywhere so like all good things it's copied and you can buy sorry you can produce whiskey everywhere but i think what that's done is even sh shown even more clearly the significance of scotch american irish canadian and japanese as the kind of five pillars of whiskey but you can now buy it everywhere. So whiskey is even better known. You would struggle to find anyone that hadn't heard the word, whether they yeah. drink it or not, is a different issue. No, I just think there's a hell of an exciting future with it. I don't think it's anywhere near its zenith. What are the biggest surprises over the years when you've been in, you've been in the industry a long time and right in the center of it, what surprised you most as the years have gone by? I suppose the fact that so many people did not consider whiskey as exciting as I've always thought it is and so many other people is because it has all those things. It has history, it has heritage, it has extraordinary people both then and now. Uh, I think the growth of the ambassador concept is extraordinary. Uh, genuinely, I don't think that existed when we started Whiskey Magazine in 1998. So I think that is something that's just exploded around the world, this idea of multiple Johnny Walkers stomping around the earth. Uh, selling whiskey, I think is a 
is an extraordinary thing. Um, I love the fact that American whiskey's come back, partly because I love American whiskey, but also because when we started, it was definitely in, in the doldrums and the Americans wouldn't really drink American whiskey. Brands like Four Roses have disappeared off the shelves and now they can't make enough for the world. Cocktails is clearly a big shift as well. Some people love them, some people hate them, but as a concept to communicate, cocktails are brilliant and, and doing incredibly well worldwide. And I think what's proved is whiskey is actually incredibly versatile. It's not just this old-fashioned perceived view of an old man's drink. It can be used in any shape, in any form, for any environment. And do you think that's important to the industry is to keep that movement to keep developing rather than sit on your laurels? Well, unfortunately, I'm afraid the consumer is now better and always will be every day better educated than it was before. And they want more. They want change. How many times have you said in the last week, I want a new X or Y? You know, yeah. it's human nature. And I guess there was a failure in Scotch whiskey, particularly for a number of years, maybe the 70s, maybe the 80s, not to do things new. You've got to. I'm afraid the consumer won't tolerate. It doesn't mean you can't hold on to your history and heritage, but you've got to innovate. You've got to be prepared to be a bit different. And I suppose in you, in your, from a publishing, from a media point of view, from the events you've got, you're part of that, that reason that consumers are better, in, you know, they're better informed, they know what's going on. And, and now we've moved, I mean, it's been years since we did it, but now we've moved to social media. It's even quicker, it's even faster. Absolutely. How do you keep on top of that in terms of those moving trends? Well, I think we get very instant feedback. So that's why it's good. You know, if something is interesting or good or not good, you know, we hear about it much quicker than we used to. So we can be much more responsive. So I, I, the point, what, what, where is media in the, in the fit of all of this? The point of media is we are the link, we hope, between products and people who use those products. And we will get, hopefully, particularly through our tastings and and our independent advice uh, comments and features we get a much more honest view you know we're never quite as honest to our parents or our brothers or sisters or people we love as perhaps um we are to you know a new person we just met and so we get that honest opinion and we're working much more on that in our whole business in is acting as a kind of independent source of information for the industry giving answers to you know, is that really the right bottling? Is that really the right shape? Is the price right or wrong? Because we get very instant access on that. And what's coming next in your world? What are you working on just now? Well, I've been working on it for ages. So we now do, well, I'll, I'll backtrack very quickly. Gin was, you know, we're working certainly in gin. We have Gin Magazine, which is doing extremely well. We launched that two years ago. We've got the Gin Awards. Uh, Everyone talks about, will that be a flash? We will see. We'll know in five years. But certainly, I tell you, my 18-year-old children drink more gin than they drink whiskey. But, you know, whether that's through choice or, or availability or price, we'll see. I've been talking about rum, rum for as long as probably everyone else has. And to me, rum has a lot of the characteristics of whiskey. Apart from obviously being dark, it's got great flavor, great history, great heritage, amazing people, lovely countries, just like Scotland, but slightly hot, hotter. So I keep talking about rum and we haven't cracked it. If you like, the world hasn't cracked rum. So I do think rum will be one of the next great excitements. Uh, and certainly we're now exploring this in the media world. I think we're going to have more whiskey live virtuals. Um, 
than we would have ever dreamed of doing. So I think tastings at home where you're given sent one or two or four or a big pack of a whiskey live uh, to enjoy at home, I think will become more likely. It doesn't mean all the time, but no one's really doing it consistently. And I think the consumer will quite like the idea of not traipsing to a city to hold a big tasting. So I think there'll be a big growth in that. Sadly, they'll keep needing glassware, so they'll need still need Glencairn glasses in that pack. It won't just be the booze. Yeah. Um, so I think there'll be quite a trend in that. We are celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Glencairn class. So the last question, why do you yeah. think glass, from your point of view, why do you think it's been so successful? I, I think it's certainly part of that movement, i.e. a shift from wine to whiskey. At the time there was that shift, there wasn't an accepted glass you know with champagne we would all assume we're going to use a flute with whiskey it was a tumbler which never presents whiskey well we know that it, it sits in the bottom and you can't see it uh, it was certainly the way the Glencairn team you know Raymond and and Paul Raymond went out and asked questions asked the industry what they want um, it's a family business that helps a lot people prefer dealing with that one or two of them are quite charming. That also helped. And they've got a very good international network. But I do, it is definitely, you know, life is often about time and place. And they got both right uh, with the product being spot on. And there have been, you know, lots of attempts to copy it and replicate it. But ultimately, people want, you know, the right product. And they got it spot on, and it's it is, isn't it amusing how we are all in sort of trans you know in transit together along this journey of whiskey becoming one of the great products of the world. It, it's not that it wasn't ever before; it's just people were drinking it in quite a short, sharp way. And the Glencairn cast looks like a well thought through, beautiful, high value product, which is actually what if you're drinking a fifty pound bottle of whiskey or a hundred and fifty pound bottle of whiskey kind of as, as a consumer you would like it to be in so i think it's hit all the right notes at the right time thanks for being part of this damien that's been brilliant thank you very much for taking the time to do that very happy much. birthday glen can couldn't do it without you <laughs> thank you very much damien riley okay thanks a lot glen can bye You've been listening to the Glencairn Pod Glass, celebrating 20 years of the Glencairn Glass, the world's favourite whisky glass. 